I have no idea why you guys ever bought Burger King. <laughs> As a culture, we're obsessed with having it our way, even if it's not from Burger King. We're obsessed with having things our way, whether it's what we're having for lunch, or our choice of beverage in the morning, afternoon, or night, the brand of electronics that are vastly superior to what everyone else is using, and even the toilet paper we use. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but as Americans, we're a little obsessed with having choices. Did you know there are over 1,000 different kinds of toilet paper that you could buy from Walmart right now. A thousand different ways to wipe your kid's face with toilet paper. Or did you know that if you go to Starbucks, you can, you can order your drink in 87,000 different varieties? 87,000 ways to order your coffee. That's more ways to order at Starbucks than there are people living in O'Fallon, Missouri. <laughs> Have it your way. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with having a choice or even having too many choices, unless you're at home trying to decide what you're going to watch on Netflix, but that's actually a different conversation for a different time. There's nothing wrong with having a choice or having it your way. The problem is when our choices negatively affect other people. You see, in a have-it-your-way world, it's easy for us to forget that there are other people out there. There are people who might get in the way of what we want, who might get in the way of having it our way. There are something like 5,000 ads that each of us sees every day, and they're all oriented at us. They're all trying to convince us that our lives will be better or simpler or easier if we just do this thing for us. And social scientists have actually uh, come up with a term to describe this preoccupation with ourself, and it's consumerism. Consumerism is having it your way run amok. It's having to have things the way you want them, regardless of the circumstances. And we all become consumers. We all fall into this trap of needing things our way. We buy that thing we want, but we don't need. We get angry when we have to wait in line a little longer than we think we should or someone brings our order out wrong. We put that thing on the credit card, even though we're not sure how we're gonna pay for it at the end of the month. Maybe we hop from church to church, or, biz or job to job, in an attempt to make sure that all of our desires and wants are met. We're all about having it our way. Which leads to a pretty natural question. Is this how we're supposed to live? Is this who we're supposed to be? 
Should what we want and what we desire be the driving force in all of the decisions that we make? Is having it our way really the way we ought to live? This morning, I'm actually going to suggest to you that it's not. And in fact, for people who follow Jesus, a better way to frame things would be to don't have it your way. And there are a lot of reasons for this, but one really important reason is what the Apostle Paul has to say to us in Romans chapter 14. That Christians should be conscientious, not consumers. People who follow Jesus should be conscientious of themselves and others and God rather than just having it their way. So, I'm going to dig into what that means, but turn with me to Romans 14, and I'll explain. But first, a little bit of context. So, as many of you know, for the past year here at Rooftop, we have been walking through this book of Romans, and we are just starting our series on Romans 14 and 15, which is called Food Fight. And this is really the application section of Romans. We've walked through Romans, and we've seen how Romans 1 through 8 is all about God's gospel, and how Romans 9 through 11 is all about belonging to God's family. And how Romans 12 through 13 has been about transformation. And now we're in Romans 14 and 15, which is taking all of what Paul has said previously in Romans and really applying it to the situation on the ground in Rome. Right? There's all of this information that is now going to be applied to a very particular set of questions that the Roman church was dealing with. And last week, Pastor Matt kind of introduced us to this conversation. He introduced us to this food fight, and he kind of gave us the lay of the land in terms of the, the words that Paul is going to use to talk about this conversation. And he talked about the strict and the lenient, and the weak and the strong. And Pastor Matt laid out for us how, for Paul... Christians should focus on the core of Christianity, the fact that Jesus has come to earth and he has lived and he has died and he has been raised from the dead, and that we should focus on that core rather than on disputable matters. And disputable matters are those things that are important ways to think or live, important aspects of what it means to follow Jesus, but things about what it means to follow Jesus that can overshadow the core of faith, what it means to really follow Jesus. And so in our passage this morning, Romans 14, 5 through 8, Paul is continuing this conversation. He's continuing to talk about what it means to interact with other people on disputed matters. In other words, he's saying, when you have a chance to have it your way, on a disputed matter, maybe it's not best to cause division in the church. So keep that in mind as I read our passage for today, Romans 14, 5 through 8. Paul writes, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat 
does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, context is king and rules the meaning of everything. And so we're going to look at the context of this passage before we just dive into it this morning. So remember, these verses are picking up right in the middle of Paul's thought. If you remember from last week, in verses 2 and 3, he's talking about this food fight. He's talking about whether you should eat meat or whether you shouldn't. And then here in verse 5, Paul talks about sacred days. It's an argument over whether, whether you should worship God on Saturday or on Sunday, what festivals you should uh, celebrate and things like this. And then again in verse 6, he gets back to this uh, meat discussion. So this, this is kind of the disputed issue that's going on. Uh, what you eat, and what day you worship God. And both of these questions come out of the context of uh, Christians, who are early Christians, who are trying to figure out what you do with the Old Testament now that Jesus has come. You see, for thousands of years, God's people, the Jews, had been told that they needed to follow the laws in the Old Testament, in the first part of the Bible. It was really important to do what God has told you to do. And in fact, there were moments in Jewish history when people died in order to keep the food laws and the calendar laws that are in the Old Testament. And then Jesus showed up. And some Christians were like, well, we're not sure that all of these laws in the Old Testament apply to people who aren't Jewish. Specifically the laws about circumcision and calendar in cuisine. What do we do with these laws? This actually became a really contentious issue in the early church. There's a ton of information in the New Testament on this topic, and it actually became a, a really big debate, such a big debate that the apostles, the leaders of the early church, called a council. They called a gathering of Christian leaders to sort through this question. You can actually read about that in Acts chapter 15. And the decision that the church came to is basically what Paul is saying here in Romans 14. They said, don't fight over disputed matters, like what you eat or the day on which you worship God. But instead, know what you're doing and do everything you do for the glory of God. And so Paul very clearly in Romans 14 is drawing on this council. And as he draws on the decision of the Jerusalem council, he makes a really important point for his Roman audience and for us. And it's that Christians need to be conscientious. Christians need to be conscientious. And conscientiousness here means considering in love. Considering in love. It mirrors what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility to value others above yourselves. And so Paul is saying, be humble here. When it comes to a disputable matter, don't just plant your flag in the sand and say that you have the monopoly on truth and that everyone else is wrong. 
He says, be humble. Be humble when it comes to how you interact with other Christians. Be humble when it comes to what you think about what you should eat or the day on which you should worship God or when you think Jesus is coming back or what translation of the Bible is best. Be humble. Look again at verses 5 and 6. Paul says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Now there are two components to being conscientious that Paul is talking about here. And the first one is internal. It's what we think in our own consciences, right? Verse 5 here, be fully convinced in your mind. That is, know what you believe, but also know why you believe it. Right? Don't just follow along with what someone else has told you. Don't just go with the flow or go with what's popular. Know what you believe. Have, make sure you have thoroughly investigated what is going on. You think it's okay to eat bacon. You think it's okay to come to church on Sunday. Awesome. Know why you think it's okay to do those things. When Haley, my wife Haley and I were growing up in Michigan... We lived in a part of Michigan where there are a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. And if you're not familiar, Seventh-day Adventism is a denomination of Christianity, and they take very seriously Old Testament laws about food and about the day you worship God. So a lot of Seventh-day Adventists, almost all of them, will not eat pork. Many of them don't eat meat of any sort. They're vegetarians or vegans. And as you might have guessed from the name, they actually don't gather for church on Sunday. They gather for church on Saturday, on the seventh day of the week. And so we had a number of, Haley and I had a number of friends who were Seventh-day Adventists. And we were talking one day, and one of them said to me, Jacob, why do you go to church on Sunday? And I said, oh, you know, it's kind of what we do. I didn't really give him a good answer. It was just kind of repeating some things I'd heard. I hadn't thought about it much. I just kind of said, yeah, no, this is, this is how we do things here. And he said, that's okay, Jacob, that's great. Why do you go to church on Sunday? And I didn't know. I hadn't thought about it. It's just kind of what we did. And so I had to tell him. I had to say, hey, I, I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I gather for church on Sunday. Um, can I get back to you? And so I had to search the scriptures. And I had to learn about church history. And I had to talk to people in my life who were mentors and just make sense of, hey, why do I do this thing? I had to become fully convinced in my own mind about this disputed issue. And that's exactly what Paul is saying for us to do here. Know why you're doing what you're doing. But of course, being conscientious isn't just internal. Right? There's more to that, because when many of us hear the word conscientious, we immediately think of being appropriate and nice and loving to other people. 
right? We're supposed to be conscientious towards others. And in fact, Paul says we're supposed to be conscientious towards God and towards others. And this is where not being a consumer comes in. Look again at verses 6 through 8. Paul writes, Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Whatever followers of Jesus do, we're supposed to do it for God. In other words, life isn't about us. Whatever Christians do, whatever decisions we make, whatever side of a disputed matter we're on, we are not about us. We're supposed to obey the greatest commandments, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and to love other people as yourselves. Life is not about having it our way. And Paul makes the reason for this really clear in verse 9, and it's because Jesus died and returned to life because he loved God and he loved us so much. And as Christians, we're supposed to follow Jesus' example here. We're supposed to recognize that we aren't all, we're not supposed to be all about the choices that we want to make and the things that we want to do. Jesus shows us that we can live for the Lord. And so please, please, please do not just hear what Paul is saying here this morning. Do not just hear what I am saying here this morning as a call to an ethical life. It is that. But there is so much more here. There is good news that you don't have to be consumed by your consumerism. There is someone who came to set you free, and his name is Jesus. And he has shown you the way, and he has died so that you don't have to have it your way. But you can have it his way. Because whatever we do, we're supposed to do it as to the Lord. And when we do things for God, we inevitably will find ourselves doing things for others. Especially others who we disagree with. And particularly those who we are on the other side of disputed matters from. Life isn't about us. And this is actually similar to one of the lessons that my two-year-old daughter, Bree, is learning right now. She's learning. She can't always have things her way. It's taken some time, and it's a slow, painful process. But she's learning she can't just do what she wants. She has to share her toys when people come over. She actually has to help clean up messes that she makes. She can't just get what she wants when she wants it. Bria's is learning that she can't always have it her way. 
And it's actually really interesting to watch because she really struggles with this. Haley and I will sit there. We can see her little mental wheels turning as she processes, mom and dad told me to do this, but I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to eat broccoli right now. I would much rather have a cookie. And that's how we are, too, as adults. Because it's really easy to sit here in church and go, oh, yes, let's love God and let's love people. Let's be conscientious. But it is so much harder when we walk out that door and we go back to our homes and to our lives. Because when we're consumers, everything is about us. It's my way or the highway, and if I don't like it, I'm angry about it. But when we're conscientious, we realize that things aren't all about us. And we let grace come in and grace empower our lives when it comes to disputed matters. Faith and obedience as a Christian, means recognizing that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And as a result of that, we love and serve others. So be conscientious, not a consumer. Now, what does that mean? What do we do with that principle? What do we do when Paul calls us to be conscientious? How do we apply this when we walk out of here and we go home, we go to work, we go to school tomorrow? What do we do? I have three questions I want you all to wrestle with as we think about this principle. And the first question is this. Where am I not internally conscientious? Where am I not internally conscientious? Where is it in my life where I am not fully convinced in my own mind? Is there something that I do or something I believe that I'm just kind of doing because it's what I've always done or it's the easy thing to do? Where is that thing you're not fully convinced about internally? Now, once you find that thing, don't just find it and go, oh, yeah, I probably should think about that. Actually do something. Now, fortunately, the new year is coming, and I'm not a huge proponent of the new year, new you stuff, but turning the calendar over does afford us all an opportunity to try something new, to work on new habits, to make sure that we are fully convinced about the things that we believe and the things that we do. Second, where am I dividing from other Christians on disputable matters? Where is there division in my life? Where am I not in harmony with other people? Now, I want to be clear, there are situations where it's appropriate to be divided from people over core issues or for safety reasons if someone has been abusive to you or they uh, are living or you would be in a dangerous situation if you were with them all the time so i'm not saying go hug everyone but i am saying think 
about where you are in disunity. And I actually want to give the small group I lead on Wednesday nights uh, props for this because they actually do a really good job with not being divided over disputed issues. Because we've been talking about disputed issues for the entire fall. We've talked about creation and evolution and predestination of free will and spiritual gifts and what we think about when Jesus is coming back and how to interpret the Bible. And it would be very easy to make those things fundamental to our conversation. But people have done a really good job of focusing on Jesus, listening to their fellow group members, and then respecting even those differences on disputed matters. And so I want to encourage you guys, where are you divided on a disputed matter, and where can you restore relationship? And third, ask yourself, where can I reduce my tendency toward consumerism? Where am I living a me-centered life? What am I going to do about it? I think Paul actually gives us a health, helpful diagnostic in verse 6 here. When he's talking about people who eat meat and who abstain, he says, whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. People who are not being consumers are giving thanks and doing everything for the Lord. And so as you're thinking about your life, ask yourself those two, quest those two questions. First, am I able to give thanks to God for this? Is this something I can authentically and honestly say, thank you, God? I'm going to be honest. This week, I was driving, I was preparing this message, and someone cut me off in traffic. And I used a string of non-church-approved words to voice my frustration. <laughs> and then I came back and worked on my sermon. <laughs> I got to thinking, oh, I don't think I could thank God for how I reacted there. I was a consumer rather than being conscientious. Even though the person never saw me, never heard what I said, didn't matter. I couldn't thank God how I reacted. And the second question is, of course, am I doing this for the Lord? Is this something that honors God? Am I loving God and loving people by doing this? Because if I'm not, probably not being very conscientious. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Imagine what it would be like if Rooftop took seriously Paul's charge to be conscientious this morning. Imagine what would happen in St. Louis if the 400 people who came here to Rooftop on Sunday mornings started loving God and loving people more than we love ourselves. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen if we stopped having food fights. Imagine how God would be glorified and how much more peaceful our lives would be if we stopped fighting about 
disputable matters and focused on what God has for us to do. Imagine our witness to the watching world. Imagine what would happen if we didn't have things our way and we were conscientious instead. If you want to talk about faith, about Jesus, about what it means to be conscientious instead of a consumer in today's world, I would be happy to talk to you in the back in just a minute. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the many blessings you have given us. For all of the the opportunities and the choices that we have for the immense freedom and prosperity that we have living in our country. Father, help us to use our blessings to love and to serve you and others, not just ourselves. Father, help us focus on you, not just on disputable matters. Help us to focus on the the needs of those around us. Help us to live peacefully with one another. And help us to live conscientiously, not as self-obsessed consumers. Father, thank you for Christ and for the reminder that the Christmas season is of all he has done for us. Thank you for his example of sacrifice and conscientiousness, of what it means to be other-focused in our living and in our dying. Father, empower us to follow his example, to live for you and to live for others, even when it's hard. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.